Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Zebra Talk, the podcast where we shine a little light onto lives and the untold stories of the people who slide on their knees and count the threes. That's right. I'm talking about the referees. And today we're joined by somebody that, uh, you know, I got a good laugh out of him as we were talking about this beforehand, but I really do consider him to be an iconic figure in like the, uh, the 2000s indie professional wrestling like history, you know, like uh, Nick Papa Georgia. How are you doing today? What's up, Odie? What's going on? Uh, I'm excited. Like, I've heard your name for a long time. I've seen you a lot of stuff, but like, you know, we've met briefly at the uh, the memorial show, uh, you know, a few years ago. But like, I don't feel like we've ever really had a chance to like get to know each other very much. So I'm excited to hear your stories. Yeah, that's an East Coast, West Coast thing, I guess. Right. Right. We got to you know, <laughs> bring bring the brothers together. <laughs> <laughs> So let's just jump right in. Uh, tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Uh, where'd you grow up? How'd you first start like getting immersed in wrestling? Well, I grew up in grew up in Philly. I'm like I reside right now in uh, South Jersey, actually, mm-hmm. on there. So I'm trying to get trying to get away from the city life. So I'm going to come in the middle of nowhere in Jersey. So sure. um, on there. So uh, basically, I got involved with you know as far as watching wrestling from you know my dad and my grand and my uh, grandpa. When I was. Ah, maybe I was like eight or nine or something like that. So I was actually watching, I think like my first show was actually like right around like SummerSlam 90. Yeah. Uh, right around there. So I was actually, apropos, I was actually at the Spectrum on uh, right up the road in Philly, um, which is actually no longer around anyway right now. So um, it's, of course, I'm start building. Um, uh, after that, really, I kind of just, you know, watched wrestling, every, you know, the whole the whole way up to where I'm at now, stuff like that. Um, I kind of got involved in wrestling once, once ECW actually uh, ceased to operate in 2001, I believe they closed down somewhere right around there. Yeah. Right around Uh, 2001, 2002. Okay. I, I started, I'm like, all right, since, you know, that was a big thing in Philly, obviously Mm -hmm. um, I tried to watch, you know, you know, as far as like whatever, uh, independents were around, you know, like obviously I got you know hooked on a, a CCW. Anybody who's around the East Coast area knows w, WGTW, which is Channel Forty Eight, which is a lot of indie uh, indie wrestling. The CCW was old right, for them all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> NWA Wild Side was on there and stuff like that. So I kind of got immersed watching the CCW, which I think was on at like uh, like Saturday nights or something like that for like an hour. Um, and I got I got hooked on there. My first show was actually going to KJF Four, which was uh, December two thousand two. Um, as, as scary as it may sound, I think we're act- they were actually up to like KJF uh, twenty one, which is so showing my age. like the fact that it's gone on for so long is just yeah. a testament to like how much people just uh, are ravenously like obsessively you know just diehard fans for the deathmatch scene. But please continue. Exactly, it's it's, it's scary on there. Uh, I got just got a we we got looked just like regular GA tickets, you know me my me a couple of my friends stuff like that. Um, we got hooked ever since after that. I'm like, wow, it's just like it's just like the second coming of uh, ECW. You know, I was just taken to more extreme than what they used to do, right? Uh, stuff like that. Um, and then we just we started becoming just like going like every month because they would do run monthly shows out of the uh, the old ECW arena, uh, mm-hmm. which is now the twenty three hundred arena now. Um, and just got ever since, you know, we started like third row, worked our way, worked ourselves all the way up to like first row nice. and stuff like that. <laughs> Once, you know, every month, you know, it's, you know, always the same people there. There's like ECW was in the front row and stuff like that. So, you know, and then I just by mistake somehow, they were missing a timekeeper. And I was actually you're sitting like, behind. You're here and you're not crazy, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's literally what it was. I'm like, we were we were pretty close with the uh, the uh, ring announcer at the time, Dennis Shock. Uh, and he actually was like, "Oh, you want to you know help, help us timekeep?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And one thing literally led to another. That was 2004, 2005, maybe. I started doing that. Were you going to maybe other, like, like local shows at the time? Um, not not really. I'm like, there was stuff around. Uh, I never really went to any other local shows, you know, stuff like that because I was. Mainly at the, at that time, I was just out of high school. So maybe like my, you know, um, I think it was like 17, 18 at the time. So um, 
couldn't even, you know, it's, it's <laughs> you're like, I found the one that I like, so I'm going to go to that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally what it was. It was convenient for us because they were always in Philly all the time. They never go anywhere else. Uh, I know they did a little couple of travel, you know, a couple, uh, couple spot shows he did over in Italy. Road loops. Stuff like that. Um, and then that was, that's about it. That's kind of really all she wrote. Really. So like once I became a timekeeper, they were doing these student shows at the arena on Wednesday nights. Mm. Um, the ring announcer couldn't make it. Um, they actually was like the um, booker at the time was uh, Mike Burns, mm-hmm. um, which is actually, you know, people know him from a uh, smart mark video, uh, stuff yeah. like that. Um, he was actually booking at the time, and he actually asked me, he's like, hey, you know, you know, was out, you know, ring announcing, you know, give me a couple of days notice, stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, sure, what the hell? You know, trust me, my nerves were shot at him. <laughs> you know, I was, oh, I don't have this kind of experience. I'm like, and they kind of just winged it uh, from there. Um, at the time, too, the CCW school was merged together with um, the Jakarta Russell factory. Right. Um, so they would out, you know, do like a, uh, different talent swaps and stuff like that uh, with everything. So we would actually, you know, go on their shows. They come on our shows, uh, stuff like that. And I actually started ringing out over there on the side in Jakarta. So I'm like, wow, I'm like, you know, one or two years in my indie career and I'm already pricking the CW Jakarta. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, you're just like, let me just like kick the door right in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like next to, next to Ring of Honor, really. I'm like, there's really no other, you know, Jakarta was just coming up. Uh, so I think there maybe are, they were around maybe like three, four years at the time. Sure. You know, CCW was, you know, coming right up to on top of that. Um, and then after, after that, I, you know, was training to be a referee on the side because I'm like, that ring announcing it was cool. Don't get me wrong. Like, I had fun doing it, but I'm like, it wasn't. But wasn't I really get in the ring and like be a part of what's going on. It, it, exactly. Exactly. And then who like you know, gave you the idea to actually like make the transition into refereeing? Was it like a, a thought that occurred to yourself, or did someone ask you about it, or like how did that? I always wanted to, always wanted to be a referee because I'm like I was always you know I'm only five nine and like if someone sure. you know kind of on the short end I'm like in that, in that at that time I'm like smaller guys I'm like didn't exist you know as far as like wrestling wise so I'm yeah. like all right become a referee you know and I've obviously just I just stayed with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before and before you know it, I was kind of working with CW and Chikara on the side as far as refereeing. You know, and it was kind of weird in that aspect. Did you have any like referees on hand that were like helping you learn how to do things, or did you just I, kind of get thrown in? Or no, I, I worked with Bryce on the side a little bit. Okay. Um, worked with a um, guy Derek Sabato. You know, people may know from way back when. Two on top of a couple of people, uh, Brian Logan, which is one of my other other referees from CCW back in the day. Uh, you know, just you know, just kind of just other other people on the side. I'm like was learning from uh, Chris Hero, Cesaro, Claudio Castagnoli, whatever you want to refer to them as. To I'm like I learned, kind of really learned from a lot of different people. Yeah, um, I, I kind of noticed like early on that that was a consistent thing that you would notice between all the people who were like going on and expanding on to like bigger and better things. When I was at the like infancy of my career, I was like, okay, all these people that are doing things are the people that are bouncing around everywhere and learning a little bit from everybody. So like, that's something that is probably something you should do in pro wrestling. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, you always, <laughs> always want to bounce around, bounce around different things. I'm like, you know, you don't want to be the, you know, the 20 mile guy, so to speak, right. you know, one, you know, once a month or over, over this one random spot show and like a car lot or something like that. Right. That's you a really know, good so. point that you bring up, though, because, like, you – obviously, you're not a 20-mile guy. Like, you're on Shakara and you're on CZW and everything. Did you I have, like, mean. a portion of your uh, career where, like, you shot out to, like, the rest of the country and stuff? Or has it been, like, you just got such good booking so early on that you've just done your thing there? I kind of – I did a little bit of, a little bit of everything. I'm, like, CZW at one time I was going to start traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Shakara had a couple different areas in the – uh, PA that they worked out of, you know, besides Philly and stuff like that. Um, you know, then I was working at places like WXWC4, which is run by uh, uh, Samu of the, uh, the Wild Samoans. Yeah, down um, in uh, Florida, right? Uh, yeah, it was actually, that's off of down there in Florida. Oh, okay, um, my mistake, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 he's, he, he's down there in Florida. Samu actually runs up in uh, Allentown, PA, which is about an hour and a half outside of uh, Philly. Uh, a little, little north of the area, so right up, right up there in the Lehigh Valley, um, he would run his shows. Uh, a lot of the CCW people would go there too to get like training and stuff like that. So, um, to be in, besides being in front of other live 
live crowd, they would sure. help out them too. Yeah. Um, but but then it was like a little little by little after that, I'm like it was just a couple spots showed here or there, maybe you know in like you know Maryland, you know I'd, I'd randomly go down to like a MCW. Right. Um, there, I know you. I know you. You hit them up. They're a great years. place. Yeah, I got to this one guy. Becky, uh, Becky Phillips actually invited me to go out there, like to make sure that we got to actually work a show together. And uh, Michael Keener, who, you know, an amazing talent himself, like was enough to, you know, welcome me in. And uh, he gave me a really, really kind opportunity. The like booking just kind of worked out that I got to do like an NWA world title match I didn't know I was going to do. <laughs> I was <laughs> yeah, just like, oh, lovely. okay, sure. I guess. Thanks. So, you know, obviously we're talking a lot about CZW and Chikara, who are like infamous companies as far as like uh, like alternative style wrestling. Talk a little bit about like what that was, uh, that experience was like. Did you just dive right into like all the, you know, like alternative stuff or were you doing a lot of like normal wrestling at first and then it was death matches and like, you know, big storyline matches and stuff like that? What was your experience like? The, when I first started with them, CZW, I'm like, I kind of, you'd only work like, you know, like one random match, mm-hmm. you know, a, a show, like when you're starting out, it would always be just like, you know, um, um, a screwed up like eight man scramble or something yeah. like that. It'd just be something just absolutely, absolutely yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> Give the oh. kid the eight man tag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that, you know, um, um, it, like right before that, I'm like my actual first, like, I, I worked a random, you're going to get a cat in the way. There. <laughs> Hello, Gato. <laughs> um, kind of like my first, like we did a random random spot. Uh, I did a spot uh, match basically right, I think it was like a tournament of death, like seven. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, here, we're, you know, we're kind of short on refs. You know, obviously working death matches all day, you kind of, you know, you need more than like two referees, God forbid, yeah, right. you know, in case something happened. Yeah. Um, on there and then they were like oh yeah here you're gonna do this match i think it was like i think my first actual match was like a uh i think it was like drake younger versus jc bailey got arrested soul on there and a pains of glass match mm-hmm. uh, here here's your first death match you're gonna wear pains of glass yeah oh, okay cool thanks <laughs> appreciate that uh yeah, i felt great I felt kind of similar. Uh, I was kind of one of those guys for a really long time that was like not really interested in doing deathmatch. And then uh, the circumstances just kind of lined up that um, I was going to be doing the GCW world title with like, you know, a a full on deathmatch. And I was just like, I mean, I can't just bring in a young boy ref to come like back me up and then be like, oh, go do the, you know, like deathmatch kid, have fun. So I was just like, all right, got to suck it up and deal with it. But yeah, it's. It, trust me, I'm like if it's not it's not everybody's cup of tea, you know. Being in there, I'm like you don't want to stick it, you know, you know, a greenhorn in there or something yeah. like that. Did because they're not going to know what to do. I'm like I I even go down go down to rent, you know, each two O's wrestling center or actually right down the road from me. I'm like I'll train the referees uh, down there every now and then how to actually work, you know, properly how to work death matches. Which I think is really, really important because, like, as far as I know, there's nobody out there that's teaching referees how to do that. And, you yeah. know, large, unless it's somebody like yourself that's been involved in the deathmatch scene for, you know, as long as you have, like, anybody that steps up to referee a deathmatch, you're just kind of like hoping that this person's going to, like, behave correctly and, you know, like, be calm enough to keep everybody safe. So, yeah, exactly. Thank doing that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I try. <laughs> Yeah, I've always thought it was really important, like, you know, to never really ask something of somebody else that, like, you wouldn't be willing to do yourself, you know what I mean? And, like, I had to bring in a friend, and I was just like, I mean, I guess I'll do this, but it was weird for me because, like, I'm a fan of death matches. I like watching them, but just, uh, it's not even so much not wanting to be around the glass and stuff like that. It's just people's blood for me, like... Yeah, no, I totally get you you on that aspect. On there, but I'm like, no, everybody's 100% safe with that. Or like a lot of the uh, athletic commissions and stuff like that. I'm like, they actually make sure that that make sure the guys are you know all clean and stuff like that. You know, they're actually going to be uh, spilling blood and stuff like that. So it's basically like, I know Delaware. I know Delaware is very strict. I'm like, you have to get like a blood test sure. on there like right before the show and stuff like that. Make sure you don't have like you know any kind of like bloodborne diseases or anything like that. Off of it. So uh, I, I know actually- Jersey, Jersey every now and then, depending on the promotion. You know they'll require it so sure 
on there. Thank you know, thank God for that. You know, it's it's basically for everybody's safety. You know, I was uh, like surprised. Sort of like I knew that there were places that do licenses and stuff like that, but I was kind of surprised mm-hmm. and like uh, appreciative of seeing the state athletic commissions when I finally got over to the East Coast. Like I had to get, you know, a license in New York and in Maryland. And then I uh, I think I got one down in like Louisiana, too. And like it was kind of nice to see, you know, like a medical presence around, even if they're just making you jog in place a little bit. It's like, hey, you guys don't want us to die. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maryland was always like that. I'm like every time ever I was always down there. I'm like they're always anal. I'm like it would always it would always get like my anxiety would always go up and I'm like which will spike my blood pressure. They're gonna I'm find like, oh. something. They're gonna find something. I had like three Red Bulls on the way to the show today. <laughs> oh, they, oh, they kill you. They kill you on that. Aspect. I did that one time. I I didn't even realize that I actually had a monster at like nine nine a.m. and I yeah. got down to the arena at like three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like ah oh, damn. I'm like. I forgot all I had all this caffeine in me. It's like now they're going to kill me with this if I don't if I don't pass it uh, pass right. this uh, uh, physical or something like that. Speaking so, of I'm state like, athletic commission, like I got thrown really into the deep end when it came to that uh, New York show that I was at. It, I'm sure you heard about the like GCW like uh, suicide uh, or excuse me homicide uh, fifty one fifty show <laughs> suicide. Yeah. That's somebody else. That's a lot of yeah stuff. exactly. Um, but anyway, yeah, when Low Life Louie and the cut and the, like the state athletic commission throwing them out, yeah. I, I got a, a show shut down the first time I had a state athletic commission around. I was just like, I actually, hey. it, it was funny because I saw Louie that following week at an H2O show in Jersey on there, and he actually showed me the cut. I'm like, wow. I was like, they actually did not gimmick that pizza cutter. I'm like, right. oh, man. I've like, I've been around uh, Nikki a lot and stuff like that. I'm like, every, every time I'm like, he's been perfectly safe with that. I'm like, Okay, that was the one random time where it wasn't gimmicked. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him do it, a, like, a, obviously not as many as you, but, like, I've been around him a bunch in the last couple of years, and I see him do it all the time, and it was just yeah. the one crazy, like, happenstance time. And to see everybody from GCW's eyes, like, burst that big, you know, and, like, be worried about what's going on, that's an indicator for mm-hmm. me to be like, oh, this is really bad. This is really yeah, bad. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, we had a similar situation in uh, Tokyo when um, Takeda got dropped onto a knife board. He got like oh, a yeah, there slam. You go. Oh, and uh, yeah, no, 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 thanks. Sorry. I'm like, I'm, I'll pass on that stuff too. What's some of the like wildest stuff that you've seen, you know, in your time at CZW and Shikara? Like, uh, God, I, I was ringside when uh, Nikki actually got stabbed with the one light tube that did not break. Mm. Uh, with uh, uh, Brett Lauderdale, you know, CCW's owner right now. He was yeah. actually referring to CCW at the time. Right. Um, he was actually the referee in the ring. I was on the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just all it was was a random Irish whip by a thumbtack jack into the light tubes. Uh, it just... Nikki took perfectly fine. It was right under his armpit. Um, it was their skinny tube. This Because what, what it was, it doesn't break correctly. It, yeah. Actually, it doesn't shatter or anything like that. It's almost like. Basically, it's it just literally just stabbed him. Yeah, under, mm. underneath his armpit, I'm like, and he was a mess right then and there. I'm like, quote unquote, when he when you when he uses that in his promo, saying like, you know, that he died for like three minutes. I'm like, he actually did die for for about that time. I'm like, on a helicopter ride going to the hospital. You know, they revived him. Got you know, thank God. You know, stuff like that. But yeah, he, he's yeah, it's, that was that was probably one of the craziest ones. Um, being ringside for, um, I had, it was actually Drake versus that B-Boy I did in a CCW in a 2010 in Philly. Um, it was a regular world title match, just a regular match. I'm like, didn't have, yeah. eventually had gimmicks on her, but I'm like, just start off regular wrestling match. Yeah. Um, like we're going to build the chairs um, and tables posted. and stuff, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They got, they built all that stuff, you know, from tax and stuff like that eventually. Sure. Um, you know, B-boy, that's, you know, out of B-Boy's element, but I'm like, he was willing to, you know, um, to go through with all of it. He got, he got, um, he got posted on the outside, right in the ring post. Mm-hmm. Um, CCW's ring isn't, you know, regular round uh, posts like you saw. Like the corners. Yeah. yeah, it's a regular, regular square on it, so it's going to have the different corners. And he got posted right in his forehead, and it opened up right up the top here. Mm, yeah. And he was literally a mess, just come down the side of his face was almost as red as my shirt. Uh, and he was just, at first I'm like, he was actually skitching because he's never experienced that before. 
Sure. But it actually made for awesome visuals down the line. Yeah, I'm sure that makes like a really interesting sell. <laughs> oh, and there, yeah, exactly. I'm like, and we kind of just ran with it. Uh, the match actually went 27 minutes, uh, as scary as that may sound. And this was about maybe first five. Yeah, so, so you know, just everywhere, the whole match. Yeah. Eddie on Griffin, Judgment Day style. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, that was probably one of those are probably those two are probably the worst that I've ever been in the ring with. I'm like, everything else, I'm like, you know, random, you know, cuts that are, you know, sure. ah, you know, that's fine. Well, that one got a little bad, but it'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, we're towards the end of the match and stuff like that. So, like, you know, I usually let the guys be and stuff like that. So, sure. you know. I do look out for their protection, but I'm like, some of the guys, I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. And I'm like, let me, let me just go. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm like that's all you guys think. I mean, if you're okay, you're okay. Yeah, keep yeah, going. I'm like, I'm not going to stop a match or something like that. You know, I only had to probably count on one hand in 13 years of how many times I'd actually had to stop a match shoot, you know, shoot-wise sure. because people were, you know, people were legitimately knocked out or something like that or just badly hurt. So, yeah. Um, there's a, uh, a specific kind of match in, uh, Chikara that's pretty famous that I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. I can never remember the specific name of it, but it's like a 16 man, like tag team match. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Was it the Cybernetico? Yeah. The Cybernetico. Have you done oh, one of these? I have not. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, those... I, I'm not familiar enough to describe them, but if you could explain the rules, like for the people who are listening, uh, I think they might get a kick out of it. They have what it is. It's basically an eight-on-eight eight, uh, um, tag match. Yeah. Um, it is elimination rules, and it actually goes down to one winner. On mm-hmm. so the referee is in charge of fifteen different finishes right. in the match. Yeah. So you know, it's yeah, always always fun, fun in that aspect on there. Um, but what it is, it actually starts out with um, they actually have something called a batting order. Um, okay. On our two guy, you know, two guys from each team will start in the ring. They have the um, position number two will be on the apron, you know, right. waiting for the tag. Um, all the other competitors are on the outside of the ring. You know, it's famous in you know famous in Mexico. Actually, it's a big a uh, big lucha libre match down there. Okay. Um, once number three come, you know, once number two tags in, number three hops up on the apron, uh, waiting for the tag. But you got to actually stay in the same order. Right. So you almost you got to remember the orders. I come after this person, and they come after me, and da da da. da. Yeah, Yeah, it's and then there's different spots and stuff like that that they may have um, on there. I'm like, there's no real like double teams or anything like that. There might, you know, you get your random five count double team with the you know regular tag match and stuff like that. But other than that, I'm like, there's it's it's a long match. I'm like, I've seen some of them go. I know Bryce in the early days in Jakar actually did one. I think it's like 90-some minutes. I think mm. one lasted on there. A um, couple of them lasted over an hour, obviously. Sure. Uh, and I think they shortened them. They shortened some of them down to about like, uh, I think like one of the shortest ones I saw was like around like the 45-minute mark. Yeah. As that may sound as being short, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, do you know for, what. For the, wrestling match. Like, but, do you know what the longest match you've what's ever that? is? I actually, the longest match I did was 61 minutes and some change. It was an Iron Man match. Very actually, cool. it, was, it was, uh, it was Sammy Callahan and, uh, Drake, Drake Younger. Actually, it was, uh, the, the best thing about it was it was an ultraviolet Iron Man match. So I didn't have to enforce any rules whatsoever. Sure. So that's you had to just be better. there and like interact. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, and the funny thing was, I'm like, of course, you know, we're going over a match. That was the only match I did on the show. It was, it was like a five match on the card and then them yeah. on the second half. So it was just them, the second half of the show. It was um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm like thinking, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, maybe they're only going to do like, you know, two to one or something like that. It's like, so I go up to, go up to them, I'm like, what, what are you guys doing? I was like, oh, it's going to be five to four. I'm like, oh, yeah. you guys suck. <laughs> I'm like, you nine guys. finishes, have fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, not exactly. I'm like, and with, and I actually made sure I went with the, I went to the production guy because uh, at the time, CZW actually had a, uh, a video screen. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I told him like right before the show, I'm like, dude, is there any way you can actually get a legit time on this or like a clock on there? Thank God they did. Oh, awesome. So I, That's very good. I, so I'm like, thank God I had nobody in my ear and just look at the video screen. Yeah. And like, all right, here we are on time wise and stuff like that. Um, 
And then they, of course, then we were doing the last, Drake was tapping out with like three seconds to go. Um, about a minute and a half left, I actually look at the I look at the video screen. I'm like, hey, guys, just to let you know, this, the clock is gone. So they can't oh. get the clock on the screen, which actually had <laughs> everything to do with the last finish of the match. Yeah. Because Drake was tapping out with like three seconds left. Right, yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, this is just great. I'm we'll like, just uh, wing it. We'll just hope that we're getting it on the right. And time. I also had Larry Legend, the ring announcer at the time, actually at, at ringside, I'm like on his cell phone, actually just like randomly just um, uh, counting this down. I'm like, oh, thank God for this. I'm like, Which, so I don't you know, know if actually when to shoot a shoot 60 minutes or not. Um, after that, I'm like, you know, Sammy went over and then decided to do like a Aero Fox cash in, like his little, uh, um, little money in the bank type gimmick they they had, sure. and they went like uh, another minute and a half with him and Sammy on there, and then you know Fox went over for like the junior title at the time. I'm like, oh geez, I'm like, thanks guys. <laughs> <laughs> so ten finishes. Let's just go yeah. a whole ten. So, yeah, we were looking. Thank at God you had Larry <laughs> over there. Like that just speaks to the you know how much of a consummate professional Larry is. <laughs> oh no, I'm like even uh, Gate Games Pakolsky was backstage actually because yeah. he was doing stuff for uh, um, he was doing stuff for Evolve at the time. Uh, with um, CW, kind of just like do work. They kind of like a little, little mini working re uh, relationship, so to speak. Um, and then he actually was like, "Wow, I was like, you were really good out there." And I'm like, you know, you know, great job. And I'm like, as I like collapsed like right in front of him, but I was like, <laughs> hey, uh, "Thanks, Gabe." I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I, I actually look like legit lost like eight pounds after that match because it was in the in the middle of summer too. On top of that, so I'm yeah, like, oh, that's uh, always good to have a match like that, right? Have you had the opportunity before or since to do other Iron Man matches? That uh, is like my like kind of elusive unicorn right now. I haven't done a sixty minute. I've done thirty five minutes, but I want the sixty so bad. <laughs> uh, the only thing that may have been close to it was maybe um, there's a um, during the King of Trios weekend in Jakarta on the last day um, they would do a uh, ten team gauntlet uh, tag team gauntlet. Yeah. Um, and Bryce gave me the honor of doing the whole gauntlet myself. I'm like, thanks, Bryce. Because yeah. usually what we would do, uh, we would actually, right at the halfway point, we'd swap out refs. Sure. On our, so, you know, one ref would, you know, work hey, the first five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was like, no, no, we can't. We're not going to do that this year. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. So that was my only <laughs> Have fun, kid. So, <laughs> yeah. On there was that. I'm like, thanks, Bryce. I'm like, I really appreciate it. <laughs> on there. Um, they that actually gauntlet went about uh 40 minutes, give mm -hmm. or take, somewhere right around there, and that was probably the closest time after the uh, um, after the Drake and Sammy match, uh, that I actually did on there. I never really do too many other you no know, half hour matches here or there, sure. you know, 25 minutes, you know, your, your normal, normal main event type matches, so to speak. So, yeah, definitely. Um, at what point did you kind of like start branching out into other places, like either in your area or like across the country? Like where have you traveled to? Talk a little bit about your time on the road. Uh, like besides, you know, uh, um, Zakara would take off a little bit there. We know we do hit up, uh, we hit up New England a lot. Then they would do like a New England run. Um, so it'd be like two or three days out in the road up there. Um, CCW would do different things. We'd go down south. Um, you know, we did a you know random spot show in uh, North Carolina. Uh, we we've done um, you know other smaller you know different you know smaller indies. You know, um, MCW we would go down to like Hollywood, Maryland, or Joplin, Maryland, stuff like that. So uh, I kind of I was mainly just like an East Coast type person. Sure. Um, so speaking, you know, I've done you know a couple of wrestle cons. I've done you know one the very first one up in Secaucus. I think it was for was that WrestleMania twenty eight or twenty nine, whatever, whatever one it was, or something like that. Um, and then the last, the last WrestleCon I was actually at was um, down in uh, Orlando. Yeah, uh, for a while was that twenty seventeen, eighteen, something like that. Um, I, everything's a blur anymore. Sometimes. Right. I mean, after the first or second year, everything just kind of turns into my life and pro wrestling. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, everything's a blur in that aspect of things. Did but, you, yeah, did you like, feel I like, kind of like, go ahead. No, no, again, you're good. I was just going to say, did you feel like right away when you started out that like you wanted to do this indefinitely or that you like even wanted to turn it into a career or like, when was that transition? Was it a hobby at first or was it full tilt? Go ahead. I'm like, I was kind of, um, I was like, I've always wanted to do it because I always had a fascination with like, you know, 
you know, refereeing is always the most unappreciated job in, in the business, obviously. We all know we all know that one. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's kind of always, that's kind of like where I always fit in, really, you know, so to speak, in that, in that aspect of things. Um, you know, I never wanted to be like an actual wrestler or any of that stuff. I never, it just never, never really enticed me or anything like that. Yeah. So I'm always, always wanted to stick to being a referee. Um, I, mean, like, I thought oh, about you... it a little bit when I was a kid, but when I was an adult and I actually like started getting involved in wrestling, I was like, heck no, brother. They just threw each other off of the top of a roof through like, <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> exactly. Uh, like, so I'm like, I kind of just, you know, you know, even with, you know, life out on the road and stuff like that too. So, you know, I was, you know, always fun going to different, you know, different cities, you know, meeting different types of fans and stuff like that, you know, you know, especially like, you know, back, you know, back then, Jakar always had a nice fan base, you know, CGW had, had a, you know, big fan base. And obviously we all know what happened with both of those companies and stuff like that. So, you know, um, but that's really about in that aspect of things. So, uh, do you feel like there was, uh, like, when you started, did you feel like you were already kind of, like, good at it and that everything came naturally to you? Or were there things that you really felt like you needed to work at and that you needed, like, a lot of advice on? I always, I always, at, at the time, I'm like, I would always get, like, the shows uh, on DVD and just kind of watch my matches back. You know, I'm not, not, not wasn't really marking out for myself or anything like that. I sure. was just kind of just like more sitting so there with like, a notebook, like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of like what I would do. I was just kind of just like pick and choose different things. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, maybe I'll work on this. You know, you know, the timing was off on this. And like, I could have been quicker here, you know, just like little things like that. I'm like, to this day, I still, I, 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 um, I do that on TV. You know, if I'm watching, you know, NXT, if I'm watching EW, whatever, you know, Picking I can everything apart and like, yeah exactly i was just kind of just like that's why you know you know my wife always hates me when i watch wrestling because i always know when, like a false finish is going to happen and stuff sure. like that <laughs> so, yeah my, girl, my girlfriend yeah. now is like talking about like you know like oh i was really really excited for wrestling and now like you pick everything apart so much that i'm just like i i know too much when i'm watching it <laughs> yeah exactly I'm like he's like you know it's like oh you see a referee's you know referee's feet underneath the bottom rope and stuff like that I was like all right you know somebody's gonna pull them out you know on her. Yeah. it's always academic you know, <laughs> that aspect of things. So, you know, you always, you always see that stuff. I'm like, it doesn't take the aura away. It's just like, you know, because we do it, we do it for a living, sure. you know. So. Um, you're in a position now where, like, obviously you've been kind of a, a, a more senior, like, uh, official as well as, like, presence in the community that you're in for a while. Have you accepted a lot of, like, students under your wing? Have you, like, had any people that you've mentored directly? Like, what's that experience been like for you? I, I trained a couple people here and there, you know, nothing like, you know, as far as like on a, um, a student level things or anything like that. Uh, Matt Tremont, who's the uh, uh, owner of uh, H2O Wrestling out in uh, uh, Williamstown, New Jersey, which is actually like 15 minutes from me. Um, he asked me every now and then um, to come down to the, um, the academy, which is actually based out of the building we run, out, we run the shows out of, um, right. and, and help out with like if there's a, you know, a student or two, that you know that actually sign up to be a referee, um, you know, you know they sign up to be a wrestler, but you know they couldn't, you know, the body couldn't take it, so they're going to you know branch sure. out to be you know referee instead. You know, if they're better at that, you know, he would actually ask me, he's like, hey, you mind coming down? You know, giving your kids a hand. I'm like, no, it's fine. I'm like, I'm close by. It doesn't matter to me. I'm like, so I'm like, you know, every now and then, like the one one kid we have, uh, Josh, is actually an eight, uh, who's a um, referee in uh, H2O. Actually, um, I actually helped him out a little bit. He was actually already refereeing on some like the student shows sure. that he that that they would run every other week. Um, so basically, I would help uh, polish him up a little bit on there. Um, actually, right now we're lucky enough to actually have like Keener down there with me. Nice, um, pretty cool on there. So you know, I actually Keener, you know, will help him out too in the long run. So I'm like, it's got myself and Keener um, on there, which is you know, umpteenth amount of knowledge just right there itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the long run, so. Anybody, like, there's so many people that, like, just don't have any trainer around to, like, help them out at all that just kind of, like, wing it to have somebody like yourselves and Keener, like, they're, you know, just kind of, like, tag teaming it together. It's yeah, just, exactly. Like, you're getting like, spoiled. <laughs> I think there was one time um, Josh forgot his regular shoes, so he actually had a, a pair of black and uh, black and red shoes. 
Sure. Order, right? I, I remember getting my I'm phone. I'm sure the phone. ribs were tasty that night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Peter actually messaged me. He's like, it's like, dude, tell him to actually get black shoes. I'm like, yes, I know. Because <laughs> he was watching, I think, like IWTV or something like that at home. Yeah. And he was watching the show. I'm like, oh, it's like, I knew this was coming a mile away. <laughs> you know, at this. So I didn't even realize like how specific it was going to get when I got my first pair of shoes because like when I started training, uh, I, I like went in and did like wrestling training and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And he just told me like go get some shooter shoes, you know, some like shoot wrestling yeah. shoes, uh, and make sure they're all black. So I was like, okay, and I grabbed some that were all black. Come to find out way down the line, I'm doing like Hollywood and uh I asked somebody for notes one day and they're like, Are you ever gonna get all black shoes? And I'm like what are you talking about? I have all black shoes. And they're like, the bottoms of your shoes are tan. Like, <laughs> so what? <laughs> well, you got, would you have an old pair of Asics? Yeah, they yeah, just had tan bottoms. Like, I didn't yeah. think anybody anything about it when I got them. You know? yeah. And, you know, three years down the line, somebody's like, hey, brother, you're kind of doing like a red shoes thing. And it's like, no, I'm not. Get out of here. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even be anal sometimes too on top of that. I'm like, if, depending on what I'm, like, what I'm watching and stuff like that, I actually would nitpick the uh, refs that actually have like white lining in their pockets. I'm yeah, like, it's yeah. Nuts. Now that I'm um, on the other side of that advice and like I've taken the steps to like alter everything and look more professional, yeah, of course. I totally get it, obviously. Yeah. You know, like when oh, I no. see somebody, I was actually going to bring up the white pockets, like uh, yeah. as you were bringing it up, that like, yeah, it's a huge pet peeve or like white socks or, you know, like a brown oh. belt or something. I did a brown oh. belt and jeans and tennis shoes uh, for the first match that I ever did because. I, I wasn't there to rep. I was in the crowd and they just needed a rep. But yeah, yeah. there's a picture of me like in the outfit and I'm just like, ah, oh, <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> um, yeah, especially when you look at it now, like, oh, damn it. <laughs> right. Uh, what kind of, obviously you mentioned Bryce, uh, what kind of officials did you have around you that were like really helping mold you? And like, were there anybody, uh, was there anybody on television that like you were really like kind of gravitating towards either then or now? Uh, that you kind of like look to as far as like inspiration or like take notes off of. Go ahead. Um, basically, like when I started out, I had um, D. Edwards, which people may know as um, um, Derek Moore. I uh, was oh, actually uh, yeah, yeah. one of the uh, uh, officials on. Uh, I think he's on Raw, actually. I believe. Yeah, um, been there a long time. Under yeah, um, him. Um, he was actually kind of real, and then obviously Bryce and stuff like that. Um, at, at the time, I'm like, other than that, I'm like, there were, what, really wasn't that many, like, other referees. Because I don't think, like, when I started, I started full-time refereeing in uh, um, 2008, the beginning of the yeah. year. And there's really not many of them that are left besides Bryce and D sure. on there. You know, and there, I was you guys started, like, before the indie boom, but when, you know, it was still, like, the, the like, I mean, obviously you were in CZW and Shakara, so like things were good or whatever, but like yeah. you know, the indies in the like 2000s are nothing like they are now, obviously. Oh, God, no, no. The, yeah. the indies are completely different from what they were now as far as like even even like that and like talent pools and like, you know, places where people can work. Yeah. Um, stuff like that, too, on top of that. Why don't you um, touch on that? Like, what do you feel are the biggest differences between now and when you first got involved in wrestling? <laughs> Man, this is actually it. This is actually a harder <laughs> question to actually answer um, on there. Um, as far as like what it was back then, I'm like, you know, you really didn't have to, you didn't have to go out there and like kill yourself as far as like head drop, head drop, head drop, head drop, you know, and stuff like that. I'm like, you get one head drop. I'm like, all right, you know, back then that's finished. Yeah. I'm like, you know, nowadays I'm like, somebody does a Canadian destroyer and that's like a, a fighting spirit spot and we're kicking out at one or something, you know, oh, right. Or they just pop back up to their feet and then Larry at like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and then of course, you know, like what's the finish I'll roll up, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. Honestly though, I really do appreciate like specifically a roll up because I feel like a roll up uh, balances all of the people in wrestling because like yeah. Undertaker can lose to a roll up. You know what I mean? Like, because it's yeah. like the most baseline wrestling move. It can get over on anybody because it's a roll up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, won't deny that, but I'm like, if you see it like after like, you know, four Larry, it's, it's like kind of ridiculous. You're like, oh, that's what you were building to? <laughs> yeah, you're building to a schoolboy finish. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. Right. You, you know, I'm like, I'm like, other people I watch, I'm like, you know, I grew up with, was, I grew up with Charles Robinson and Kyoto. I'm like, they're probably, you know, I know Kyoto's not really. 
you know, uh, refereeing at the, at, at the moment right now. I know he did a couple of uh, uh, spot appearances for AEW, and obviously Charles Robinson's working on a uh, SmackDown right. on there. So, um, you know, I even I did a couple a couple uh, WWE extra spots mm-hmm. um, in Philly and DC, and I actually got to um, pick like John Cone's brain a little bit, which was actually nice. pretty cool on there. And uh, you know, John's actually really you know, really cool down a type of guy when he's not busy. <laughs> so like that. I feel like he's one of the best people to like kind of model yourself after if you want to be a TV rep because like as in the whole package because mm-hmm. like obviously he's really good on television. He also got himself, you know, up until recently but whatever, like uh got himself a a, a good office job to like back up his like on-screen job. And yeah. in regards to like his personal life like you know say what you will about like wanting to have social media and pro wrestling, but like, he just doesn't really exist on social media, you know, no. he himself. He keeps professional and he like does his job. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I, you don't even, after the fact, I'm like, after, after like the extra sign in and stuff like that, I'm like, you don't, you may not see Kona, like unless they're actually going to be using it yeah. uh, for something like that back, you know, back there. Other, other than that, I'm like, I've already even seen you know, but I'm like, I got to at least pick his brain, you know, little, you know, a couple of times. I think he was working a pay-per-view. That was over here in Philly, uh, and stuff like that. And we just we they weren't using any of the extras uh, for that night, so they, we just got that you know pick his brain and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. So yeah. Um, uh, speaking of like picking brains, is there any like piece of advice that either has really stuck with you that you've gotten over the years, or like one that you feel that the people listening really should have to take away from this, or both? What do you? What do you? Uh, what do you well, like, did, did you did you ever uh, like receive some advice from somebody like coming up that really like stuck with you, um, or you know like do you have some that you wish you uh, like all the young boys listening to this and like all the other refs out there listening to this like that they should know take away from this? Oh, okay, okay. Obviously, obviously, my like, appearance always is one thing. Um, you know, you always want to be clean cut. Don't bottle yourself in for me or something like that. But I'm like, <laughs> one one thing I'm like always. That's one thing I never. I'm I've always been clean cut my whole life and stuff like yeah. that. As far as you know, hair and you know facial hair and stuff like that. You know, you see a lot of you know a lot of the guys and stuff like that. And like they'll have like ponytails or this or that. I'm like, you know, it works for the women referees, obviously. You know, with their with their hair. I'm like, that's you know not, you know that's understandable there. But I'm like, some guys and stuff like that with it. I'm like. I'm like, it's not going to get you anywhere, <laughs> you know that aspect. Um, I mean, I was just telling, I was just telling uh, my girlfriend like a day or two ago. You know, like one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got was to like clean up the way that I look. You know, I, yeah. I, I was a, a little overweight. I had like a really like messy goatee. I had really shaggy hair, and like I didn't really take care of my uniform. And I just asked one of the promoters I was working for one day, like, you know, what can I do to like get to the next level or whatever? And he was like, I mean look at the way you look like fix it yeah. and uh it, it really had a huge impact on my career so i'm glad that you brought it up that and like you know guys you know guys especially referees i'm like some of them don't you know they don't hide their tattoos yeah. you know tattoos are one thing i'm like you know there's some guys some guys in wwe and AEW, they have tattoos but they hide yeah. them yeah you know i'm like that's one thing you know some of these guys don't do you know they're just blatantly like right on their forearm or something right. like that i'm like well, yeah, that's not going to work for TV wise, <laughs> you know, or anything like that. I'm curious about something like uh, because I I want to work for TV. I have worked for TV, and obviously mm-hmm. you have a TV like mindset as well. But we're both obviously from like a kind of alternative subgenre of like pop culture, right? Where like yeah. tattoos and things like that are very accepted. Do you mm-hmm. like myself feel like we're like hopefully going in a direction where like you know? nice tattoos can be accepted on like certain parts of the body or are you kind of like i don't ever want it there because like i feel like if people have like nice sleeves or like a nice piece here or there or whatever like if it's not a huge distraction it's not Mm -hmm. a big deal maybe not so much neck and face and stuff like that obviously but like there's some really really good refs out there that have like full sleeves and stuff you know what i mean oh yeah definitely i'm like I know uh, Chris Banco actually does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's big. He's probably has he's got both of his arms, um, all you know, sleeves up too. But I'm like, you know, he does. He was sometimes never noticed. Sometimes just the yeah. way. Yeah, it looks the like way he's he actually works. wearing sleeves. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm like, you know, I, I worked with him like once before, um, CW before like the pandemic started and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'd never even realized. I'm like, he's like, wow, he's got all these. 
I didn't realize he was all that sleep up. That's pretty wild, <laughs> right? <laughs> you see it for like, the first time, like, and you're just like, oh, and you don't cover yeah. that at all. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, but, you know, nobody said anything, you know, but he actually keeps it, you know, respectful, you yeah. know, in that aspect. I feel like that's kind of uh, akin to what um, Chad Patton was doing like a year or two ago, right? Like everybody in the ref community was like going a little like wild because Chad had actually grown his beard out uh, yeah. like, on raw and stuff like that. And it was mm -hmm. the first time since like Corderas and like Tim white that somebody had had like facial hair on the referees, you know? And Oh yeah. Um, like it's but I feel like that's, I feel like that's kind of how things go when it comes to like, transitions and like appearance you know like that is like somebody just has to do it and do it well and do it respectable and then that kind of opens the door to like okay if you do it as well as he did and you can pull it off like that and not look sloppy or anything like okay go ahead and do that you know yeah, I mean? exactly yeah anyway um so where are you at now like obviously you've done a lot of things in your career you've uh, accomplished a lot of things you know crossed a lot of goals off on your list like what kind of things do you still want for your career do you have any goals in mind like short term long term like what are your sights set on obviously once everything's a little more normal yeah <laughs> well getting a little normal back over here in jersey which is good sure. so um <laughs> thank god but it's kind of more so really i'm like i've kind of more so just work on tv you know, mm -hmm. just getting, you know, tip, you know, your typical answer in this aspect, sure. you know, is it's always just somehow getting a TV contract some, somewhere, you know, it almost doesn't even matter with who, as long as it's like that, that I can, I, I can feel accomplished with. I'm like, at one point it was just actually working with WWE and that was I'm like, oh, cool. I'm done. You know, I work with that. That was awesome. Yeah. You know, even when I did the, a uh, uh, couple of times I did extra work, I'm like, it was only one time I was on TV. Yeah. So that was kind of a bucket list. In that aspect of things, so I'm like, even though I was only on TV for like about 30 seconds, but sure. right, it didn't it didn't matter in that aspect. So I'm like, I still got still got paid by them. So like, yeah, <laughs> it's all mattered. I've actually there, so. got kind of like a funny like running joke with my experience in extra work. I've done it a handful of times, and like I've been on screen a few times. Uh -huh. um, never where you can clearly see me. <laughs> yeah, like uh, there was a. Um, uh, uh, a segment that they did where Kevin Owens uh, was trying to get his keys from, you know, like the valet or whatever, and Braun Strowman had flipped his car over. You remember that? Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I was the valet, but like they started on the back of my head, uh, and then like I was an EMT in the Hell in a Cell with like the Fiend, and all the lights were red, so you can't see anybody's faces. So like I've done a couple oh, of, like, things with them that was fun, but yeah, same thing. Like you know, you're on for like 30 seconds, and like maybe people see you, maybe they don't, but. Yeah, it's back well, to kids. Either way, you know, yeah. It's a nice <laughs> opportunity to like see if you can, you know, like uh, take instruction and you know not mess up or anything. Um, but yeah, I I feel like you're in this really like interesting position, kind of like you know like almost Knox and Bryce also were before obviously AEW came around. Where like you've done so many things at this point on the Indies, like there really is only that contract thing left. Yeah, there. yeah. It's kind of I I always feel like sometimes I'm in I'm in limbo. I'm like, oh, where do I where where do I go with all this now? Like, do I just stay on the indies? Do I want to go further? And it's 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 weird that you, it's weird to like think about sometimes. I'm like, or right, there's nowhere else to go. I'm like, I've done almost everything on the indies that I could probably do. <laughs> you know, I feel like so. you're in a really unique position though, because like you have yeah. enough experience and enough of a reputation that like if you wanted to like create something i think that could be really cool you know what i mean oh, no, that's, like, taking in more students like we were talking about before that's kind of like what i did on there um actually h2o on there. i know me i, yeah, I think you were i were telling me there was a story yeah please let's dive yeah. in on there it's it was actually just something you know as long as tremont doesn't hear this but you know he likes to keep <laughs> it to a point sure. on there but uh, um matt it was your ears <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly but uh, no i'm not really exposed to everything too much i'm like everybody you know, everybody knows about it but uh um there was actually a time i think it was going into last september we're doing a show it was actually outdoor he was running uh, shows outdoors mm -hmm. on there um but uh, matt's always very strict with you know face mask and stuff like that right. on there over in the shows do you mind if before we dive into the story you tell everybody a little bit about like who matt Tremont is just so they have some kind of context because like i feel like if you're not immersed in the deathmatch world you may not know like how integral of a character he is please continue matt matt's actually in eight time deathmatch tournament winner um on there uh he's actually the man responsible for bringing a uh, sushi onita back 
back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2017. That was the first time he was back uh, in the U.S. in, oh, my God, what, 30-some years um, in that aspect of things. On there. So he was the first one to bring him back and you know, did a match at CCW with him. Um, but he's been – he's probably the most, you know, as far as uh, American deathmatch guy – um, that you know, I'm like, it's just he's yeah. like the literally. literally I mean, if, the, if, if the we top. don't like throw around too big of a thing, but I mean, Deathmatch God kind of like seems, yeah, you know, yeah, he's, no, no, he's basically that you know, Deathmatch legends, yeah, you know, and he'll go, and he'll go down as one too. On top of that, on our, he actually just finished uh, his uh, in ring career, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on our, I think, uh, last uh, last October, I believe it was. Yeah. So you're um, saying he's very strict with his uh, COVID protocols and everything? Uh, oh, God, yeah, he's very strict. We actually had a guy um, – we were doing a show on, on a Saturday night, and he, um, somebody actually um, did a show in Florida the night before, and they're flying back. Yeah. Uh, you got to you know, quarantine yourself for two weeks sure. on there. So he actually he found out that, they were, that that person was on the way to the arena. He was like, yeah, you can turn around. I'm like, I'm not going to use you. Nothing bad or anything like that. It's just like not mad. It's just you know we can't. No, go away. Yeah, exactly. Just just because of protocol wise, so we know obviously we did something. You know, he, he had a, he always has a plan B and stuff like in that aspect of things. Um, on there with uh, H2O. Um, just a little background with H2O. I'm like it kind of brings uh story brings storytelling back to wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of like almost so to speak a lost art in wrestling. Sure, yeah. As weird as that may sound, I'm like it's kind of really what. Russell's always base office is like stories and stuff like that. Like every match on the card that he does on his shows, they all mean something. Mm-hmm. If it's the opening match to the main event, they all have a story behind it, mm-hmm. you know, to a certain aspect um, of things. So I'm like, it's doesn't matter where you're at in the card. I'm like, you'll have a story attached to yourself somewhere yeah. on there. And then he, he, he like, he, he doesn't sleep on there. Yeah. I'm like, I received, I received messages from him. Like, 3.30 in the morning and stuff sure. like that, <laughs> going over different things. I'm like, hey, we're going to do this with me. And they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, it's 3.30 in the morning. What the I woke you up. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'll message them. I could message them now. He may not see it until like about 4 o'clock in the morning or something sure. like that. Yeah. Just, and who actually answered it at 4 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> we're mentioning about how a lot of the uh, matches on the card at H2O are motivated by storylines. You know, we have <laughs> talked a little bit briefly about how you actually have a storyline yourself going on. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about like what H2O is, your involvement with them, and how this has kind of turned into like your own story uh, within the confines of the card? Yeah, no problem. Um, H2O basically is, uh, it's, Stands for a hard, uh, hardcore hustle organization, H2O, where they get the name from. Uh, it's owned, you know, owned and run by uh, Matt Tremont. It's based out of a uh, uh, Williamstown, New Jersey, which is about uh, South Jersey, which is about maybe uh, maybe like 25, uh, 25 minutes south of uh, Philly, you know, in that in that kind of vicinity on there. So um, it's basically a hybrid company. You know, we do, you know, we do death matches. Uh, violence has scaled back dramatically right now. Sure. Uh, we don't do death matches for the sake of doing death matches right uh, or anything like that so uh if, it, if there's a death match on the show it meant something yeah you know, if, it, if it's a blow-off um if it's you know we're getting you know a qualifying match leading to a tournament or something like that um but it's it's any kind any kind of wrestling there's high you know we, we have high flying uh on there's high you know hybrid type wrestling as far as strong style obviously you got your um you know, your death matches are, are mixed in there too on top of that. So sure. um, I feel like that's kind of like what you need in that particular like geographical area in order to like be successful. You know, like ECW set a standard in the 90s for like you have to have really good technical, you have to have really good characters, comedy, you have to have really good like pro wrestling, and then you gotta have yep. some killer death match. And like I think all the people in your area have done a really good job like kind of carrying that torch from that. Yep. You know, we we go we you know, Matt's very old school with a lot of a lot of different things too. I'm like, we had a uh, a barbed wire cage uh, mm-hmm. on there. It was actually uh, the old uh, wooden type uh, structure. True. On there, I think it's from like the old uh, I don't know if it's UWF or something like that way back when. Okay. Um, or something like that. I'm like, pretty wild. It, yeah, it's an old yeah. 80, it's an old eighty structure. Like basically, it's a uh, um, wooden wooden frame which just had and it had barbed wire attached to it mm-hmm. uh, on there, so like people couldn't get in, you know, stuff like that too. So it's very old school in that aspect of things. So I'm like, it's, it's, it, but everything that's kept almost like a Memphis style, 
you know, booking almost to, you know, so to speak. It's, you know, everything, you know, you know, all right, we got to get plan A, we got to get the point A to point B, all right, then we got to get a point B to point C and stuff like that. Absolutely. All the bookings got to make sense. All the like matches all build to each other. They all tell a story. There's a cohesive. Exactly. Yeah, it's great. Even if it's just a promo segment that you may have, you know, in the ring or in the back or something like that, everything's all entwined together too. Yeah. You know, we we obviously all spitball ideas off each other too. Um, different, you know, different aspects of things too. So it's you know, kind of almost like free reigns. I'm like, there's no politics. There's no BS. Yeah. Uh, or anything like that. You know, that's associated with you know that you, people may hear in wrestling i'm like it's it's probably the calmest locker room you'll ever be in sure. because it's just all chill you know nobody's at, nobody's in business for themselves i'm like all we're trying to do is like we're trying to advance the company that's yeah. literally all we want to do i mean you if know, you know people like yourself and matt tremont like that's what you would expect from that kind of an environment you know matt yeah. you know maybe this like iconic deathmatch legend that he is but like the limited time that i've spent around him i found him to be like one of the most like uh calm intellectual you know like yeah. very thoughtful kind of people i've ever been around before so that's pretty cool yeah matt's probably the most humble guy you'll ever you'll ever meet yeah absolutely in, in wrestling you know even if you come across these coast or you know, if he if he's doing different traveling with his students or something like that, you know, he's the most calmest guy you'll ever meet. But I'm like, he's also one of the smartest guys you'll meet. Yes, you absolutely. know, on there, with, you know, that actually has a mind for wrestling. You know, so on there. Were you like there from H2O's inception, or did you get brought onto it, or like, what has your life been like there? And then, how has this built into your storyline that you have going on now? I actually, it was ran, random later. I think we're coming up to five-year anniversary or maybe six years, you know, mm-hmm. coming this coming this year on there. I randomly just saw something, you know, a little blurb. I'm like, it was like, you know, it was Matt Tremont versus Kevin Sullivan, you know, and, and, and taking place at the first uh, H2O show. So I actually, you know, me and Matt were close and stuff like that. So I hit up Matt. I'm like, because the show was, you know, the show was in a neighboring uh, Woodbury, New Jersey, uh, yeah. which is a little, little, little town in uh, Jersey, right around the corner here. Um, and we, we were actually, I actually hit him up. I'm like, hey, I'm like, you know, who's actually running this company and stuff like that? I'm like, <laughs> and he actually took, and he actually took a minute. He's actually like, I think he's like reverted into his book. He's like, it's like, it's like, it's me. What's going on? I'm like, what? <laughs> I, had no idea. I had no idea he was starting his own company. What do you mean you know you're booking, me? brother? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I actually hit him up. I'm like, and what he would, uh, what he did was it was just a side gig at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would only do like uh, maybe like three or four shows a year sure. um, on it. But what he did was uh, he actually piggybacked off of CGW's uh, Tournament of Death yeah. a couple of times, which is always a Saturday show. Matt would run on Fridays. So he had the people that are in town for TOD, you know, hey, you can see a show on Friday night. Yeah, come come do this one too. Yeah. On there. So um, so he would actually get, you know, get those crowds uh, too on top of that. Um, you know, and then. You know, you know. Long story short, I'm like everything. Everything was always on a Friday. Every other, you know, every other like maybe like two months, he'd run a show. Sure. Um, and it was it was catching on uh, little by little. And then before we know it, I'm like he was reverting to Saturday nights, and then he was running every month. Yeah. On there too. On there's like. And it's just getting on, bigger and bigger and bigger. It's exactly. Yeah. On there, so it was it, it it was pretty cool in that aspect just to see that you know the company just that. Small doing a couple shows, you know, you know, a month, you know, every other month to every month. And then you're, you know, you're taking over, you know, taking over almost other companies too. Yeah. Like I like said, like, like he took over CGW since CGW's no longer running shows at the moment. Right now, you know, it's kind of we're like the, literally the East show is the biggest thing in South Jersey, like right now and over the place. Like yeah. GCW's doing their thing all over the country. You know, ICW, uh, the No Horns Bar deal, uh, they're doing their thing. You know, we're kind of doing our thing and, right, you know, we're right there, you know. Yeah, everybody seems like they're cooking with gas right now. You know, you've got like so many different like Limitless and Beyond and you guys and, you know, ICW, like you were saying, GCW, you know, like mm-hmm. it seems like uh, a lot of the handcuffs that were on you know, like 10, 12 years ago, whatever, like have just kind of been lifted now that everybody like knows how to like actually kind of like lay out the formula for themselves, you know, like really yep. good wrestling, hot crowd, good merch, good cameras, good lighting, you know, like interesting yep. stories. 
Um, but yeah, we're kind of winding things down a little bit. I like to offer P, uh, my guests like the last like five minutes or so to obviously mm-hmm. plug uh, all of your social medias and everything. Um, if there's any like shows that you have coming up or if there's any you know schools companies obviously we've been touching on h2o a lot but if there's anybody wrestlers uh that you feel like the internet at large hasn't really like taken the time to notice and they should have now's the time to mention them so uh go ahead as far as like as far as all, all my social media i'm like hit me up on facebook at you know nick papa giorgio uh you can also hit me up on uh, twitter at ref nick papa g uh on there uh, you know, you'll always find me at H2O going forward right now. You know, it's uh, one of the only companies that are running in this area. Sure. Uh, our next show is actually on calendars. Me. We'll um, see if this actually makes the airwaves by the time this show's happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, you never know. Um, it's actually uh, May 22nd, which is uh, uh, Hardcore Kingdom, which is actually our deathmatch tournament. Very cool. Uh, uh, which is actually will be uh, streamed live on uh, IWTV um, on their on their, from uh, Williamstown. So no tape delay or anything like that. So nice. straight live, as live as you can get on there. Uh, the following week on the 29th, uh, we're actually doing this. Um, we have a concept called Pay, uh, Pay Your Dues, which is actually uh, main roster um, guys versus uh, the people from the H2O Wrestling Academy. That's cool. I like yeah. that. That's a good idea. Yeah, on it's there. a good title for it too. On our EX, we does. Uh, that's always usually on tape delay on uh, IWTV. It usually takes about like a week or two, sure. uh, and then they'll actually appear on IWTV in that aspect of things. Yeah. Um, on there, uh, those are the two shows I'll be appearing at uh, on there. Doing God only knows what uh, on there too. Trying Jonathan, to keep people alive a little bit. <laughs> probably screw jobbing people left and right, most likely in some aspect of things. I don't know what um, you're talking about. He calls it down the middle. He's <laughs> Papa G. Oh, not, not H2O. I don't call it. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> no, not anymore. Um, dry mouth. Sorry about that. So we can talk for an hour. That like that. Right. <laughs> um. Uh, you can also hit, you know, hit up uh, H2O Wrestling on uh, Twitter. That's their official Twitter handle. They used to, they just just merged everything together. Um, on there, you can also hit up uh, Tremont uh, at Tremont H2O for anything related to H2O. Also, as far as like, the uh, wrestling center, uh, it's based at, in uh, Williamstown, New Jersey. Too on top of that, uh, as far as guys that are actually, you know, you want to, you know, that are coming up, everybody in H2O Wrestling Academy. Sure. There, there's literally too many to name. I'm like, yeah. You'll see some of the guys on uh, GCW now. You know, you'll see like Dylan McKay, uh, Marcus Mathers, uh, Austin Luke. You'll see, you know, that are appearing, you know, slowly on the uh, GCW shows that have been running out of the uh, showboat in Atlantic City, right? Um, stuff like that. Um, but there, there's a, so many guys in the, in the academy. Like, it's pretty cool how spoiled stuff. we are right now with like how much talent there is going around. Yeah. And the best thing about it is, too, because they're brought up by Matt, how Matt was brought up mm-hmm. on there. They're the most respectful kids you'll ever have in a locker room. Amazing. Like, there's no egos on these kids whatsoever. I'm like, they'll take the time, you know, they'll listen to stuff like that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm Joe Nobody when it comes to stuff like that, as far as calling spots or anything like that. But I'm like, they'll even ask me for like, hey, you know, you know, we got this spot. I'm like, how do you see this happening? You know, as far as I think of like a rough spot or something like that. I'm yeah, like, absolutely. Well, you know, we could do this, this, and this, you know, or, you know, you know, A, B, or C or stuff like that, too. So. Yeah. But they're, they're the most respectful bunch of kids, you know, I've ever dealt with in 15, 16 years of wrestling and stuff like that, too. So, and I mean, obviously, very much expected when, you know, you have a crop of students working with Matt, uh, you know, and it, obviously uh, with yourself. Um, exactly. Thank you very much for being on today. I really appreciate you swinging by and being a part of the time. It was very nice to like get to know you a little bit and hear a little bit about your stories and everything. And thank you folks for joining us today. Uh, If you'd like to support the Zebra Talk podcast, please go to prowrestlingtees.com backslash Zebra Talk. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram or Twitter, we are uh, at Zebra Talk 123. If you would like to be on the Zebra Talk podcast or you'd like to apply to the Zebra Talk fund, you can send an email to me at zebratalk123 at, at gmail.com. And then if you are not actually in the Zebra Talk group on Facebook, you got to find me. You got to find one of the other refs. There's so many of us. I don't know how 
you know, we still get like more like uh, ad requests every day. But yeah, if you're a ref yeah. and you're not in Zebra Talk, come on down. Like I'm Robert Odie Brown. Obviously, he's Nick Papa Giorgio. Come find us. We'll get you in the group and we'll get you going. Again, thank you so much for being here, Papa G. It was great getting to talk to you. Uh, of course. And uh, catch you next time, folks.